welcome to Define the Relationship podcast, a podcast where we explore the relationship we have with the Bible and ourselves. I'm one of your hosts, Darlene Enstick. And I'm the other host, Ted Enstick. And as you can tell from our names, we belong together. I just defined the relationship. Welcome back to the Define the Relationship podcast, episode 22. And uh, beginning our new series or our new journey of uh, hashtag reconstruction. I'm Ted. I'm Darlene. It's good to be good to be back with you. Um, so yeah, today on our episode, we want to um, do a little bit of preliminary work. Um, we we put out the call last week, and we've been emailing some people asking for some feedback on what are the what are their top deconstruction reconstruction issues of faith and. Um, We've been encouraged by all the responses that we've gotten so far, but there's still room for more responses. So if you're listening to this and you'd like to, um, whatever, throw your questions into the ring or, or put sort of what you think are the top issues for you in um, reconstructing our faith, um, we would love to do that. So how are you doing, Darlene? I'm doing great. You're doing very good. Good. So last time we were talking about deconstruction a little bit, and um, I did have something that I, I thought would might be helpful to think about um, in this process. And so I thought maybe I would start a little bit with that. Um, comes out of comes out of a book that I read recently in a book club called The Folly of God by John Caputo. And Caputo um, spends a good part of the book talking about Jacques Derrida, the postmodern philosopher from France, who is sort of um, given credit for coining the term deconstruction. So deconstruction is a bit of a buzzword these days. It gets used a lot, especially in, um, in theological circles, philosophical circles. And, um, I think it's helpful just to talk about what Derrida was talking about when he talked about deconstruction, because it actually, um, I think it helps us think about what reconstruction means. And like, uh, my sense from the work of Derrida, at least as interpreted by Caputo, is that actually the work of deconstruction is not just about tearing things down, but actually it's a process of um, the first step towards reconstructing things. And so um, I think it's important just to say that um, part of Derrida's understanding of thoughts, beliefs, ideas is that as human beings, these are all things that we have constructed over time. Um, when we were born and we came into this world, we, we came into a world that had constructions about how the world worked and how things worked. And if we grew up in the church, we we inherited constructions around Christian faith. And, and um, when we started to experience um, those constructions as being negative or not working anymore or whatever, that's when we begin a process of deconstructing things that have been constructed. And so um, Derrida's belief is that anything that has been constructed can be deconstructed. And 
often deconstruction is talked about as a negative thing, like we're we're wrecking things, we're breaking things, um, and uh, um, I'm not sure if this is Caputo. I think this is Caputo's words, and he says that deconstruction is not bad news. In fact, it is in singular service of the good news, mm-hmm. because um, part of deconstruction is the recognition that there is the undeconstructible. There is something that cannot be torn down, cannot be taken away. And when we deconstruct and reconstruct, it's always in service of finding the undeconstructible. And I think, um, so we're, we're always doing this for, for a building up reason. It's never just sort of, um, I think the word is like a nihilist thing where we just want to destroy, um, it just reminds me of when Jesus was talking about the good shepherd in the gospels and talked about how, um, Satan or, or the, the evil one, um, came to kill, steal and destroy. And that's not what deconstruction is. Deconstruction is more like, uh, Jesus entering the temple and overturning the tables and saying, I'm going to destroy this temple in three days, build it back up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a very different, um, approach. So it's a vibrant picture. It's as opposed to, I think a very, one of the criticisms of deconstruction is that, that it seems violent, um, negative and violent. And, yeah. I, th- and I think the way that Derrida and Caputo, the way you've described it sounds, um, life giving, life promoting mm-hmm. that's a good that's a good frame to put around this conversation and i think today like we're we want to really talk about what is our approach as we go on this journey and talking about these themes and that um i think that puts it into a good frame all right do you want to talk about what we want to do today on the beginning of this journey of reconstruction yeah, I think as we began exploring like uh some of the areas of uh reconstruction last episode, um sin, um judgment, you know, all these things and other people have emailed and added their ideas to it. Um as opposed to just jumping in and like um going after one of those topics, we started talking about, well, how, what's our approach in this conversation? And is is it important to, um, have some sense of what we are carrying with us on this important journey? What to use the analogy of like, what do you want to put in the backpack as we go on, on this journey? Yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a real image for us because it's not that long ago when we were, we did the way of St. James, the the Camino de Santiago, and we had to make decisions about what we were going to pack in our backpacks and how big a backpack and, you know, what, what kind of were the essentials. And, um, we thought it'd be a good idea to think about, well, what are some of the essential tools or the essential resources that we bring with us on this journey? And it may feel a bit like, okay, let's just get it, get, get on with it. You know, let's, (laughs) let's do it. But 
the reason why this is so important is that I think the way in which we do things matters a lot. For sure. For sure. So, um, we came up with a few things that we, um, want to, um, have with us at all times and maybe like on the Camino halfway through, we'll say, do we really need this? Or do we need to go, you know, get rid of this thing in our backpack? I was, this reminds me of the story of, um, you know, our, one of our friends and partners on the Camino, Heidi, she carried a, an umbrella with her and we kept saying, keep carrying, keep carrying that umbrella, but I've never seen you use it. So you want to make sure that we're actually using the things that we are bringing along. And sometimes what we carry with us is, um, fear-based. So you want to, like, you might need this. So you want, well, just in case, and then you can overload your pack because you never know when you might need scissor. <laughs> you never know. You might need this thing, but, but, um, one of the wisdoms of the Camino was to also trust that the Camino would have your back, that the way has your back mm-hmm. and will provide you what you need. So these are some things, essentials that we think we want to pack with us. There may be other things we might need on the way, but yeah. So, and, and we are preachers through and through. So we went for three things that we thought we'd bring. Yes. With some sub points, of course. Yeah. And of course I added a fourth thing this morning. Oh, you did. Well, just that what we were talking about before, but okay. Anyway, so I'll say our three things and then we'll, we'll unpack them (laughs) 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 just a little bit. So what you did there, unpack them and then pack them. Uh, so our three things are wisdom. We want to carry wisdom and relationship and love. So those are the three things. Let's. And what was the fourth thing? Well, language. Language. Okay. Interesting. I'm intrigued by this because this, this last minute stuffing into the pack just as we're about to begin on the journey. That was very much influenced by a conversation with my son. So, okay. And your son. Fair enough. Fair enough. Do you want to start? I'm willing to take a crack at wisdom. Okay. Um, yeah, so wisdom, I think, is a really good word. Uh, it's a word that we were challenged to use in our relationship to deconstructing the Bible with Pete Enns, that he often talked about that we are in a position in our time as Christians of having to do wisdom work in relationship to the scriptures. So what is the wisdom? How does it relate to where we find ourselves today? And wisdom is not something that is stagnant or fixed, but it's something that grows and expands and evolves throughout time. So what's wise 4,000 years ago is likely not or or is is not a wise thing in our present time. So we need to... I believe, pack a capacity in ourselves that we are trying to find what is wise on this path. And I think wisdom assumes that we've learned something, we've made mistakes and rethought 
things based on mistakes we've made, or in many cases, we learn things from other people who say, well, you know, before you do that, uh, here's something to keep in mind. I mean, this was a big part of our Camino trip too, is learning from other people who've done the trip and trying to not, um, learn everything there is to learn on the Camino ourselves, but that maybe we might bring some, some learning with us. So the things that we kind of put into that wisdom category was the wisdom, the, the wisdom of tradition of our tradition of the Bible and culture. Those are three things that we said that we want to use as we, um, imagine a reconstruction we don't just start from scratch. We look at like the tradition, um, that has been given to us by the early church or the early fathers and mothers, um, and throughout history, there is wisdom there for us that they've shown us in reconstruction that we can use. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, there's actually a fourth one too. We talked about, which was our experience or our personal experience. Right. Um, at least in our, our, our Anabaptist Mennonite tradition, we never kind of grew up with thinking about how, what is the wisdom of our, of our faith and how, and what do we use as, as, as points? Like often in a lot of Western Christianity, especially people, groups that have been influenced by evangelicalism or fundamentalism, there's always been this sort of like, well, what does the Bible say? Like the Bible is the one piece of wisdom that we bring to anything. And so what does the Bible say about that? And it's, that sounds really simple and, and maybe, oh, that, that makes a lot of sense. Like that's, if we've got a Bible, what does the Bible say about this? But it fails to recognize that the Bible has been interpreted over centuries and, um, you know, stuff has changed along the way there. Um, I think it's in the Methodist tradition. They have a thing that came out of Charles Wesley or John Wesley called the Wesleyan quadrilateral. All that means is just kind of four points. And they, and they speak about these four areas. They say that when you think about life and faith, you need to think about the four corners of a square, which are the Bible, the received tradition, um, reason, cultural wisdom, like what is science? What are we learning about science in the last 50 years versus what they knew 200 years ago or 2000 years ago? Mm -hmm. And I think always our personal experience, which probably a, has a bigger impact for us these days that we, we take our own experience quite seriously. And we ask, well, that didn't really work for me or that this is my, this is a story about how that impacted me, um, often a negative impact. And, um, I think what we're saying is we want to bring all four of those components to the wisdom that we bring to this process. Yeah. So uh, to me, when I hear the word wisdom, I, I hear the word discernment too. Hmm. It means that in our, in our pack, we are constantly kind of pulling out this, um, this discernment for, for truth and, and the wise way. Hmm. So, yeah. Okay. So that's number one. Secondly, um, we want to have an approach of reconstruction that, that is always interacting with, re with relationship. So in, in understanding, 
um, holistically first that God is relationship in the triune, you know, God, um, son and spirit, and that we are thinking about reconstruction from a perspective of, of our relationship to ourselves, to, to the world, to others and, um, and to God. Hmm. Is that, what would you add to that? Like, maybe does that feel like a, maybe these things feel like intangible things to pack. Like, how do you pack wisdom? How do you pack relationship? Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of like, I think I like the way you talked about what's our approach as we begin this journey. And I think, um, it's important to approach these topics and these issues in a relational way. So, um, to me, the obvious one is that we want to take the community's questions and experiences and wisdom, and we, we want to do this together mm-hmm. with people. Like this isn't something that we just kind of, um, you know, we spend some hours by ourselves and we think this through and we come and say, well, this is the way it is because I've thought this and, um, so I really, I mean, that's, I think that's maybe something that we kind of gained in our Mennonite Anabaptist tradition is that we, we do church together and we take the community's voices very seriously. And, um, so that's been a really good emphasis we've had that we do theology relationally, but I also think that at times we, we forget certain voices. We, we marginalize certain voices. And when we talk about, issues about who God is, if we marginalize, um, women's voices in that conversation, then we might end up with a very, very masculine patriarchal kind of understanding of God, just because we're always listening to men talk about it. So, um, and then of course, voices of people who've been on the margins or voices of, um, in our context, Canadian context, the indigenous voices like, um, it's really important that we think about these issues in a relational way. How does it impact other people? So I think that's a that's a big big part. Um, and maybe the other and the and the last relationship I mean is just being true to ourselves about. Um, I feel like there's a real energy in our faith communities of people feeling afraid to say what they think or how they feel about things. Because when people say something that diverges from, you know, the center of the orthodoxy of churches, people get shoved aside. They get, you know, I don't know if we excommunicate anymore, but marginalized (laughs) at least, yeah, at least pushed to the side. And so I think to have an honest journey with, deconstruction and reconstruction is that you give space to people to say how they really see things or how they've experienced things and not, um, try to fix it or change it or, yeah. Or say that that's not a, that's not a worthy voice. You can't say that, or you can't ask that question. Like that's just, um, I think that's really destructive to, to the kind of good news of deconstruction. Yeah. Good point. Why? Thank you. Um, and finally, can I move on? Move on. So we're packing wisdom. We're packing relationship. 
and we're packing love. And it's always such a hard um, word to say because the language of it is so limiting. And what do we mean when we say we're packing love? And for us, as we were discussing it, what came to mind was, um, was the scripture, um, from first Corinthians 13, I believe. Yes. And it talks about maybe Ted's getting it so he can maybe read it even, but, but how we see, um, where we see through a fog, we don't see things clearly, Um, but there will come a time when we will see things clearly. And until that time we have these things to hang on to, to, to get, to bring us into that completeness, that fullness, that clarity. And those three things are faith, hope, and love. Mm -hmm. And the greatest of those three is love. Um, did I, Do you want to read it or? No, I think that's, I think that's really good. Like, I think, um, um, this is something that's very difficult to put into practice, but I think that the, um, the commitment we make when we try to pack love into this journey is that we are not going to let anything, um, any arguments or debates or any particular perspective rise above the centrality of love Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, and so that's, I think that's a really good shaping discerning tool that we bring with us when we discuss things around our views of God, um, our views of sin. Like how does, how does love speak into that understanding? Like how, you know, I, I think, um, you know, some people say, well, that's just too squishy. That's like, I mean, we need to, we should be bringing truth in our backpacks, you know, like truth is more important than love. And, um, I think Paul's assertion in this poem that he shares to that particular church community is that, you know, you can understand all the mysteries of knowledge, which is, I think, what the process we're on. We're trying to understand mysteries of knowledge. And if you don't have love, it's useless. Mm-hmm. It's irrelevant. So, uh, and we, when we, th- when we think love, say love, we have to recognize that our capacity to understand what that means is so limited. It's not, it's not love in the way that you and I love each other. It's, it's like love in the essence of God. It is, it is the fullness. (laughs) So I think that's kind of important to keep in mind too, Mm -hmm. but uh, maybe it's fair to say within that one as well, when we were talking about faith, hope, and love, then a couple of the notes that I had jotted down was like, faith, um, like from deconstruction to reconstruction is like, there's a lot of distrust of God and faith in the, in the process of deconstruction and doubt, 
like in our community, I think there's a lot of felt experiences of like, I just don't know if I can trust this anymore. So Mm. what is a reconstructive process that can journey towards trust? And so that kind of is connected to faith. And then Mm -hmm. in hope, um, we talked about, um, from despair to possibility. So I think some, again, some of the hard points, some of the dark night of the soul kind of stuff in deconstruction feels very despairing. Like I just, I haven't, I, I just don't know what to believe. I don't know if there's anything left and we want to journey towards possibility. Mm -hmm. Um, and then finally love, um, in, in a toxic warped sense, um, there are people among us that have been very hurt by, by a received message of God's love that has kind of hurt, hurt, hurt them. Mm -hmm. And we would like to journey towards a healing love and these are like big hopes to, to pack into our backpack, um, to carry with us wisdom relationship and, and the hope of a healing love. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that the faith, faith, hope, and love had like in the tradition of the church, they were articulated as theological virtues Mm -hmm. and, Virtues, in my understanding, are virtues are something that you can practice, like something you can you can actually live out. They're not just beliefs; they're things that you can put in practice. And um, just this morning, as we were we we're reading uh, the um, the Richard Rohr uh, meditations, um, there were the wor- words were coming from Brian McLaren, and he talked about the difference between distrusting our thinking about God versus distrusting God. Yes. And I thought that that. was a really beautiful, um, distinction, distinction. Yeah. That, um, deconstruction isn't about deconstructing God. We're trying to deconstruct our thinking about God Mm -hmm. so that we can find something that is worthy of trust. And, uh, that's such a, I mean, to me, that makes all the difference. Like, um, you know, um, if we would hold our thinking about God, our thinking about faith lighter than we often do and begin to trust more and give ourselves over to that which is beyond ourselves, even when we don't fully understand it. That's, I think, one of the, one of the hearts of faith. And, uh, I think Paul's poem in first Corinthians 13 is sort of an encouragement to say, you know, folks, we don't get it all right now. We don't understand it all, but there's stuff that you can hold on to faith, hope, and love. Those are things that are, are something that you can actually, you can live out of. And, uh, I think we need to always hold those kind of hold those near to ourselves when we're in this process. And when we forget about them, we need to find a way to be reminded of, uh, of how that fits. Yes. 
<laughs> yes. You had a fourth one though, Darlene. You you uh Well I'm quite... your, your bag's gonna get a little heavier than uh than mine. <laughs> you don't wanna take this one in. I don't wanna take this one in. You don't wanna take this one in your bag. I don't know. I'm I'm <laughs> still uh I'm still it's well, a mystery to me. No, it's not well it's not really a mystery to you, I don't think. Um Language has been a big um, contributing factor to our disconnects of how we think about God, I think. Okay. And so anytime, for instance, for example, if we've... um, carried with us a message that if we are, if we live a certain way, then we are separated from God, that we're disconnected, um, that there's, you know, scriptures that we point to and language that's used and our language is never, it's so limiting. And so every time we're saying something, there's something we're not saying, or every time we're, we're saying something, we often have to clarify that this is, you know, the Bible is, has analogies and, um, ritual and there's, there's such a variety of language that we're faced with. And so I think part of what has hurt uh, perhaps, or what has led to, um, a sense of disconnect is when, when language has fallen short, which I guess it always falls short when we're talking about God, but not only short, but has fed a very distorted kind of picture. And so I, I want to be really careful about language, about the language that we use as we're discussing this. Um, but I don't know if it it belongs. I'm not sure if it belongs in our backpack actually, but I had a really interesting conversation with, with Micah who studies theology and philosophy and who, um, really challenges us in lots of beautiful ways as we interact with stuff together. And I'm hoping that he'll join us one time too, and talk about this because he's done a lot of work on language Hmm. and, um, and he, he quoted something to me that I think one of his professors, Paul Dirksen said, um, if I'm getting this wrong, I'm sorry, Paul Dirksen, but, um, that theology. I'm sure he's listening to our yeah, podcast. Right. Theology is watching your words in the presence of God. Hmm. What does that mean to you? Um I'm not sure if I can I'm not sure if I can articulate that, but I feel like when he said it that that feels really important. Yeah. I think like watching your words is like, um, the power of our words, the language that we have is, it gives weight. It, it, it affects behavior. It impacts, you know, the pictures that we have, the, the ways in which 
which we conceptualize who God is and who we are and how God moves in the world. But how God moves in the world is, we see, that's a language, that's a statement. But God doesn't move in the world like I move in the world. That's like too, that's a human, I move in a particular way. That's not the same, but our language, when I'm saying that God is moving in the world, it's, it's true, but it's limiting. Mm -hmm. And, and I think increasingly we've, I've become more aware of, well, that language, I get why we, why we ended up here Mm -hmm. in this place where we've, we have these conceptions of God that I don't think, um, that I don't think are actually given to us in the tradition, Hmm. but we've ended up with them because of some of the language we've used. And it's, uh, as a speaker, it's a, it's a big, it's a big deal Mm -hmm. because I I feel a lot of responsibility Mm -hmm. for that. It feels very humbling because every time that, I speak in front of a community. I, I feel that weight and, and I know that whatever I say, it's like, well, I didn't mean to say that. That's not what really what I'm, you know, Yeah, you, I, you, know, you know, that, you know, that, uh, experience, I'm sure you've had this over the years I have where people say, um, Oh, I just loved it when you said this and they kind of like, it impacted me so much when you said this. And then I think, that's not what I said. Like, that's not what I meant. And wow. So frustrating. Yeah. Well, I, I I think that's a really, I, I like that quote. I mean, the things that impact me from the quote is watching your words. Right. Is that, yeah. Watching your words in the presence of God. So there's a, there's a connotation there of being careful, full Mm -hmm. of care in the words you use. It also, there's a challenge to be precise and, um, discerning in the words that we use and the words that we choose not to use. And, um, I think that's, I think that's a beautiful, beautiful kind of simple definition of what it means to talk about God, to do theology. Mm -hmm. I think, um, it also just underscores the, why deconstruction is a very, very important process because language is construction. Like we, Mm -hmm. um, you, you can see that if you lived long enough in this world, think we've lived long enough, 50 years to see how language changes and the language you would have used when you were under 10 years old. If you use that same language, it means something completely different today than it did then. So let's, let's talk about the language we use. Let's, let's, uh, think about what goes behind that. What are we saying about it? What are we not saying? And, um, this makes for, um, a more more complexity in these conversations. It's not so easy. I, uh, how many of us have had an incidence where somebody's approached us and asked us if we were a believer or are you a Christian and had this internal conversation of kind of, we don't say it out loud, but we say to ourselves, well, what do you mean by 
Christian. What, what type of Christian are you talking about? If you're talking about this kind of Christian who, you know, hates gays and who, um, you know, thinks that, uh, you know, the U.S. is God's country or something, whatever, you know, like kind of think about these things, you know, like, well, I'm not that kind of Christian, you know, but I would mm-hmm. claim to be a Christian. And we, there we know that we're not always talking about the same things when we use language. Yeah. And that's talking about who we are. And yeah. when you're talking about the nature of God, um, you know, I think, think back to one of, um, Rollins book, how not to speak of God, mm. which is also a book about how to speak of God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I wonder too, the other thought that I had about that was the, one of the 10 commandments is you should not use the Lord God's name in vain. And we've always interpreted that as meaning don't use language about God as a swear or as, um, an epithet. But sometimes um, maybe using God's name in vain is not being careful with our words. Yeah. When we don't speak of God with enough discernment and um, preciseness and careful, being careful about it. And, uh, and so it's a real tricky thing because yeah. basically you open your mouth and you're, you're not... <laughs> You know, there's a part of me that feels like you should just probably not open your mouth. <laughs> yes. But yet we must. Mm-hmm. Like the yeah. language is, is a gift to us. Just like the language. Yeah. The language of poetry and letters and history and myth is is a gift to us. But we have to watch our words mm-hmm. in the presence of God. Anyway, I want to, I would love to dig into a lot more of that with Micah if he agrees. So we'll see. We'll put him on the spot. Yeah. Uh, Thanks for joining us today. I think that's uh, probably enough. Um, So we invite you to get your backpacks out and uh, put wisdom relationship and, uh, and uh, <laughs> don't forget love. Oh my goodness. Don't forget love. See, sometimes you forget what you need to back <laughs> and come along with us. Let's do it together. Yeah. I'll just reiterate. If you've got things to add, please send them to us instead of just yelling at us at home. As you listen to this and saying, I don't think that's true. Or I don't think that's right. Let it, engage with us. We'd love to hear your, your thoughts. Good being with you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.